0: Chris Wallace is with us this morning, and uh, I'm just gonna let him introduce himself. Chris, talk away, go ahead. All right, folks, um, thanks for having me on there, I appreciate that he's, he's contacting me. Um,
1: yes, yeah, so Christopher Wallace, we're, we're Bedlin Soft Furnishings down in Cade, and we we'll also uh, incorporate Warren Blinds, which, so 2 to star business really, Bedlins, which should be with the retail side that most people would be familiar with there, and we have three stores, Cade, Warren Point, and Bridge. And um, Then we've also then got uh, more in blinds, which would be more trade and commercial. So both both lines of businesses, both do curtains and blinds, obviously, um, and shutters and paint. But the the trade side would really be more my my baby, the trade there and the the survey and the sales end of it, uh, and the, the commercial work. So that's really what we do in a nutshell: is curtains, blinds, and paint. Uh, and I would say we have a factory then, I can as well.
2: You've recently just moved factories, haven't you? Well, I say recently, yeah, it's a couple
1: yeah. of years now, probably, is it? Yeah, so about two years ago, um, we made a big investment in Kilkees. We have been pushed uh, sort of down maybe to tech an invest in a unit, except around Banbridge or some of them areas. But Kilkey's are home, Mourne's where we're from, and we'd like to keep the employment in Mourne. So we have looked at several different sites, but we ended up, we purchased an old uh, trouser factory on the Harbour Road. Um, a, it was a big investment for us, but... Um, all in all, now, we've once the first stage of the factory is all up and running, we've got all the new machinery in, and we're going there now trading about two years. And actually, during lockdown, about, I think it was actually Monday Monday past, um, we got planning approval um, for the second phase, which would be another three three 3,800 square foot um, unit, and also then two houses as well. So it'll tidy up that end of the harbour road and sort of just help the look of the place.
2: Of course,
1: that's great. Glad to hear that. And how
2: are you finding it there? Like, where were you based before? Was it all in where the shop is? Or
1: pre Previously, prior, prior to this, um, believe it or not, all our blinds were made next to mum and dad's house. You wouldn't even know it was there, Um, but it was built, Part was built at the time, 20 years ago, for two members of staff. And just before we moved there, going back really, what, two years ago, it was... It was tight now, we were putting out about 250, 300 blinds with five staff crammed in the little, little tight space and we were turning work away, which we didn't want to do. Whereas now, just with the extra space, we've been able to pick up a lot larger jobs, commercial jobs, um, like we just completed our first job there in London, um, you know, like we're in Dublin now every week, Belfast uh, several times a week, so without the new factory and the new facilities, that's just something we couldn't have done. Perfect. Wow.
2: Yeah, that sounds great. These are getting on the well. Club.
1: I'm sure your and dad week.
2: were happy having five extra people or three extra people maybe working in beside the tree. They were glad to see well, that, us away.
1: That was mum thinks it's great because actually the where our and saw was was directly below her bedroom. Oh um, no! So uh, going back about six seven years ago, we changed our hours to eight to five or sorry eight to a half four where it used to be nine to six, and um, so she didn't really appreciate the saws going at eight in the morning now. Um, but thankfully that that stopped. But no, uh, business up until this pandemic hit, um, we've been very fortunate. We were having a really strong run and year to date, this was going to be our biggest biggest year we would have had, but we just don't know what way it's all going to go now. Mm, I
2: suppose. Mm. And as all your staff at the minute are furloughed, it's just you and your dad kind of sorting the stuff in the shop now, are they?
1: Yeah, so... We furloughed it. Whenever the government sort of announced the lockdown, that was, we ceased trading the such there and all our staff were furloughed. Um, now, Dad and myself there, uh, we were still in doing scrubs and my sister Erica still came down the odd day. Um, but technically speaking, um, everybody's furloughed there except for myself. Uh, and Dad's still in doing his duties as managing director to keep things ticking over. Um, but we're not really doing any commercial work other than the voluntary scrubs and that that we're doing for the NHS.
2: That's
1: great. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about this?
2: Yeah, so, um, no, it's like, funny, yeah.
1: funny how that all happened and came about. So just after lockdown, as a lot of locals here will know, um, we were actually, whenever the lockdown happened, we were in Great Ormond Street in London with uh, my son, uh, who'd be quite, quite ill at times. And we've spent that much time in the hospital over this past year that we've got to know quite a lot of um, clinicians quite well. And some of them we would personally call friends. And it was the, we had just came home from London. Uh, we got sent home just the risks of the COVID there was uh, higher than the, the advantages of us having the operation with Charlie. So they sent us home and on the Sunday night, I got a phone call from a local doctor in quite a bad way, who pretty much was going into work on the Monday morning with no PPE. And I kind of thought, what can I do to help? And I put a wee plea up on Facebook, just if there's any stitchers could come forward we had all our staff furloughed, so we hadn't really any facilities here. So we were happy to supply the fabric if some stitchers would come forward to make scrubs. And it just kind of went nuts. Um, <laughs> uh, we haven't even roped you any, Amy. Uh, yeah. But thank, thank you very much for that. But no, to date, uh, we started doing it ourselves, we bits and pieces, and then some charities came forward, and Alan Knox, through the local chamber there, was able to, uh, just sourced a bit of money there through local businesses and we bought some masks for the health centers and Source was brilliant and donated money for fabric. There was, all, there was football clubs, there was all our local businesses, the golf club. Quite a few people came forward with funds there just for, to help us purchase the material to make more scrubs. And then we chat just with Richard McBride from the Aircraft Factory about the work they were doing and the crack just came round about them, them pre-cutting the fabric and Collins Aerospace have been amazing. The first really week, we were we were hand-cutting the fabric and giving out templates and that, but once Collins, Collins Aerospace came in line, it really ramped things up. And to date, this past four weeks, Collins Aerospace, through ourselves, have pre-cut 4,500 sets of scrubs. We've went through about 28,000 metres of fabric, all in all, with all our groups. Um, that's just through Keel. Whenever we look at NI Scrubs, it's a bigger picture. To date, I think we have got, in total... I think it's about 16,000 sets of scrubs made into the care workers in NHS. But uh, just through our own shop here in Mourn Stitchers, we have been able to hand over approximately 13,500 completed sets of scrubs, about 350 gowns. I think it's about 600 hats. Um, I think it's in and around the 450 scrub bags. But the, the community has been amazing. Um, and the amount of PPE that's been purchased locally here through community organizations through businesses just to donate
0: around has, has been it's been amazing that's crazy well, so with the ppe does does a health worker have to do they get one scrub or do they have a different scrub every day or do they have to go and wash their scrubs or how does that work yeah so whenever we first started looking into this we thought we
1: have a lot of excess curtain material we thought happy days we can use that but Unfortunately, curtain material. Uh, majority of our material we would start with the cotton, uh, and cotton material once you boil wash it will start to shrink. Uh, so that was a problem. So the way around that was polycotton. So the recommended really a 60/40 mix uh, polycotton cotton cotton. So it wouldn't shrink as much, and you get more longevity out of it with washing. Um, you're saying there PPE with the scrubs. So as a technicality, scrubs are not regarded as PPE. Okay. So there's been very very little talk with regards to this in the news and that, but they just the, the scrubs weren't there, and uh, the, literally there was nurses and doctors wearing their pajamas into work because they had nothing else. And um, um, just the government didn't seem to be getting getting the handle on it at all. Uh, like the phone calls we've been getting from nurses, from doctors, from clinicians, but what I can see the biggest issue was historically there if people was wearing scrubs it was in a theatre setting or in a intensive care setting etc whereas just overnight as soon as this pandemic hit your local GP was wearing it your physiotherapist was wearing it and every nurse and any amber or gold setting, or sorry amber or red setting was wearing it and that was never the case and there's so many other workers came out of retirement back into the NHS and just the demand was that great the supply just wasn't available
2: that okay. makes sense I suppose. Yeah. and there's some really trendy ones i've seen a few pictures from the ni scrubs page like they're man united bed sheets and <laughs> uh,
1: i was up last last thursday i was up in the children's hospital with charlie my son and we were walking down so with two different clinics we go down we're walking down and say get his ultrasound of his heart as such and you were seeing the there was nurses and doctors etc walking towards you and one thing will come to mind was there's a group of uh, stickers and Anna um, and they were with all the children's hospital from Bedlin and, and there was one that I had left up for them with Peppa Pig Oliver. And nurse was coming walking towards me wearing the Peppa Pig. Uh, and I just had a bit of a laugh to myself, but it's just great to see how everybody's rallied around.
2: It's brilliant, I suppose. Like Not that it's a, a good situation we're in, but it's good in the sense that everybody's off and have nothing to do. Like Everybody's either painting their fence, which you know like that's the one thing i've done at this house or there's stitching like they have the time now to do it and a lot of people who maybe were interested in it but were working full time and didn't have the opportunity really to do it is able to pick it up as a hobby nearly too it's it's quite encouraging from that sense as well like building skills too
1: yeah hopefully that's one thing will come from this hopefully the the home industry the textile industry and that in in northern ireland and the uk will come back a bit hopefully the the government and businesses will start to buy more local and keep it within the UK instead of importing everything because the skills are there. Some of the, some of the scrubs that came back here, you think were works of art, you know, Uh, and the, I guess it's amazing just the skill that is out there that's not being utilized. So just hopefully some good will come from it because the community spirit has been amazing. It doesn't matter. Religion hasn't come into it. Color and creed hasn't come into it. It's everybody has just pulled together and came together to, to help the NHS who, are getting recognized now as heroes, but in a lot of families' minds they're heroes all year round.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Um sorry, letting the dog out.
0: <laughs> she's, <away. laughs>
2: she's bored. No way <laughs> um, and what So what
0: about the what about so you do scrubs but you're also doing the masks as well. And what about the do you do any of the like the, the plastic covering? Yeah, food? so
1: it's a funny one, it's a strange one that, like obviously we set, we set out to do this here, just with, with our family's appreciation of the NHS, we set out to do this all on a voluntary basis, and That's as we have been doing, um, but I was able to, I was getting approached with different charities and organisations to source PPE for them, so likes so of your masks, your gloves, goggles, your FFP2 masks, your visors, etc, and aprons. And I was sourcing them all at cost for charities or putting the charities directly in touch with our suppliers and they were paying direct, et cetera. Um, but the charities were great. And in one sense, we're a business, you know, they were taking pictures and they were putting posts up on Facebook, thanking us. And business being business, it's, it's good for business. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's advertising, like you, you can't buy it. Um, but then we started getting emails and contact from factories, from offices and um, from privates, uh, businesses pretty much saying, I see you've got X, Y and Z for these charities, would you be able to supply to us?" Uh, And obviously at the minute, nobody's behind curtains and blinds, so we have a supply chain there for PPE and we've been able to purchase it and source it for private companies. So it's it's a new revenue stream that we've been able to tap into. And as much as we love doing what we're doing here for the NHS and for carers all at cost and their donations, um, it would be very silly not to tap into a new market stream and revenue stream that we we'll have there.
2: Of course, that's great for the definitely for the business. And in that sense, like now that we're circling back to like how your business is growing,
0: mm-hmm.
2: when when were like, how did it all start? Have you just kind of? your surname
0: is Wallace. So how did Bedwin come about? Mm. <laughs> um.
1: Well, again, being being in business and in Northern Ireland, we didn't want to be calling the business one name or another name that would close yourself off to half the community. So we were quite conscious of that whenever mom and dad started. That was long before my time. I, I was just a little thought in the back of my mind at that point. Um, but the actual name came about, it was my my uncle came up with it. Uh, whenever we first started in business, we, we went down the route. It was mainly at that point, custom made curtains and bedding. So bed was for bedding and wet wind was for window dressing, so that's where the name Bed Wind came from, okay. um, but the business started, my mum and dad started the business back, th- I think it was actually 35-36 years ago, just there at the start of April, uh, it was just my, my grandparents had a filling station out the near Road and there was a, a small section off that filling station, um, My it was sitting empty and my mum started sewing curtains in it. Um, Dad's a joiner by trade, and he was four man for the Coulter Group in Kilt Kiel for many years. Um, and with his joinery skills, he was outfitting in the evenings and measuring. And it really just grew. Was, actually, believe it or we're saying there, but moving to the new factory where we first started to manufacture blinds was in a uh, pig house uh, up where Hannah Brothers Kitchens is based. Uh, Hannah Brothers would be quite the family friends. And uh, back then, I think at that point, it was 30. But 32 years ago, um, dad has started actually manufacturing the blinds in uh, our old issue
0: pig pick- house. Lovely,
2: that is amazing. <laughs>
0: so, I don't know
1: what health and safety would say about that, right?
0: Uh, you'd be so finished, I could be
1: using some of that hand sanitizer we're selling. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, that's, so that's really how the business started. And just over the years it grew and my, my sister got involved and then going back a few years I got involved and obviously at that point there was three families really needed to get a good wage from it. So that's why then we started opening up all additional stores and expanding our contract and commercial team. And it's, we've tried to do organic growth. With, we've just been slow and steady, but it's been consistent. Because um, one thing we're very conscious of is as much as, yes, our contract's growing and our commercial's growing and we're... We're working further afield. Um, our bread and butter is going into a house here and there and doing doing one blind for somebody, two blinds for the other. That's that's bread and butter. As nice as it is going in and fitting out full office suites and new build houses, uh, our core market is just going around little uh, Mrs. Jones, etc. fitting one blind here, one blind there. And We have to remember that market and we have to remember that's our roots, that's where we brew from and it's very, very important to us.
0: Straight. Fair play, you, Fair play yeah. Um. So, I assume it was just a sort of a natural progression that you would go straight into the family business. So, after after school, what what path did you take? Uh no. So
1: as you were saying there, you know, certainly and being a Wallace. For mm. anybody knowing the Wallaces, we're all pretty stubborn. Um. And <laughs> my dad, dad was very adamant that I would not be leaving school and coming straight into the family business, and that I had to get some life experience out and about. So. Okay. I went to tech, I studied uh, business and financial management, and uh, whilst there in my, I think it was my, my final year up at tech, uh, I actually, I opened a coffee shop um, at our premises here with was bed, bed in Kilkeel, mm-hmm. uh, and then I took over the Silent Valley coffee shop. Uh, I forgot at, about
2: that, i just kind of thinking, yes, I needed that.
1: No way, yeah. I didn't know it. Yeah, so I had... I had up until until I joined the family business as such, I had coffee shop up above Bedwins, a coffee shop at Silent Valley, and then had a chip van and an ice cream trailer. Um, so that was my stubbornness coming in. Uh, I didn't want to work for anybody else, and Dad wouldn't let me work for them. So I thought I'd just work for myself. Fair play. Uh, and then uh, what I loved about that, and it's, it was great. The Silent Valley, especially, was it was a phenomenal business, um, and it was seasonal. So it meant I was still able to get my life experiences, et cetera. My friends at uni um, and I worked all summer and done quite well out of that. And it meant in the winter times for about two, three years, I traveled. I went and stayed with friends up at uni who were working very hard, as you all did at uni. Um, (laughs) Club,
0: all the time.
1: So I had the student life and I traveled around parts of Africa and America and Europe um, in between times. And... Okay, was that? I think it was about. It was my third year having to sign up Valley. Um, my father it was during the winter time. We had we hadn't long moved into our new premises, and as a business bed and soft furnishings as such, it was going through quite a tough time, or so we thought. Um, we had just moved into the new premises. Funds were very very tight, and I was still doing a bit of work in the winter time for Dad's. Like, I grew up with blinds, I could make blinds, so whilst the valley wasn't open and the coffee shops and that were all closed, and during the winter months the ice cream trailer was doing nothing, so I went back at the blinds and we just couldn't understand why things were so financially hard, and it then came to light that a member of staff who was working for us, um, looking after books etc, was stealing substantial, quite scary amounts of money, so it was at that point, obviously, the person is no longer working for us, and that is the point then where I came back into the family business then, um, and the, my days of coffee shops and everything have been no more ever since. Wow! Yeah, it was oh, wow. it was fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah.
0: And did Did you come in back into the business to find out where the money w- was going, and eventually you were the person who found out that? Some no, drive no it
1: wasn't it wasn't that now from my point of view um I was able to see I was going out and from a financial point of view, I was spending quite a lot of good jobs for a dad um I was bringing the money in and in my head it just wasn 't adding up what was going on and um my my dad actually and my sister the three of us we had a bit of a chat and they started they started unknowingly the our members of staff uh, recording. The financials and saying nothing and getting the bank then to ring us whenever the financials were being lodged, and there was quite quite a discrepancy just between the value that the bank was receiving. The bank knew that we were trying to suss this out, and the financials that the bank was receiving compared to the financials that we were recording before they were officially recorded by the member of staff, there was quite a difference, Um, and it was at that point then we were able to prove things were happening and uh, get it stopped. Um, before we didn't have a business. Wow. It just goes to show how important financial management in any business is because cash flow is king and without that, you're a
2: Yeah, I had, um, obviously like nothing like that's ever happened to me, but I've been chatting to mum and dad the other day about stuff like that and they were like, you have no idea. If you were to start your own business hiring people, that's the biggest problem in terms of making money is actually staff you can trust it's a massive yeah, it's, problem in the whole industry
1: staff staff and recruitment as a whole staff are your biggest assets and um, they can also be your biggest headaches and um, we're much. we're very very fortunate in bedlands like some like our staff retention would be very very good we have a wide like with some members of staff with us now 34 or 35 years and um, we're very fortunate most staff that bed in once they get bed in they do stay for quite a period of time and a whole lot of them are more they're more like family I, I know most of them better than I know my wider family Um, so it's to us that's being a family business it's a big thing and the in community is a big thing to us hence why we want to keep manufacturing keep everything here it's just good to try and keep it local and keep the family businesses going
2: well, it says a lot about you as, as management, like a company to work for. You know, if your staff are happy, they'll stay and they'll work well for you. And um, like I know from working from other pe- for other people myself, like there's nowhere you appreciate more than, you know, being in a job where you're actually just made to feel like you're appreciated.
1: Yeah, well, we try. Yes, there always is issues and things happen. But as a whole, we try, like we really appreciate Without Without our staff, we haven't got a business. Like we're manufacturing and they, as much as we are here to support them, our business is built around our staff and you have to look after them and try and do what you can. Um, but in saying that, every staff member always wants more money, but that's the scene in every, in every job, um, <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's just playing that line Life. and trying to, trying to get the happy medium. But thankfully we're very, very fortunate with our staff.
2: Yeah. So like you used to travel in your spare time and you had like seasonal work, obviously. And now yeah. it's not seasonal work, it'll be like year long. Um, and yeah. what's your kind of outside of work thing like i know from facebook you're a big northern Ireland fan so i have seen you <laughs> yeah
1: well it's, that's that's an excuse to get to travel now so i have a group of friends there and now that i've got a family and settled down with the kids etc it's just not as easy to travel so a group of friends there and they'll be a good bunch we would go to quite a lot of the away games uh, and so a chance to let the hair down um, but we'd also, instead of just going into the country where the game is, we'd normally go two or three countries away and get train tickets and just go. Um, so it's, it's a good way of travelling and getting to see the country with next to next to no plans. All you know, you've got a match ticket and that's about the height of it. Fair enough. And you went to the famous Euros, didn't you? Oh, yes. Indeed. And how was that? In my, in my green suit. It was... It was a it was an experience. I have to say, um, everybody loved it. Whether it was Irish or Northern Irish, you were loved over there. Yeah. Um and the atmosphere was something else. Uh, one standout memory was um, I went down a little street that was closed, uh, closed off to the public because there was that many fans about it, all French fans. And I was wearing a green custom-made suit, bright green with a Northern Ireland logo on it, a green wig, um, and some Egypt was coming down in a moped so uh me being me i decided that as he was driving down the street i would jump on the back of the moped in my green suit uh and there were some french fans about with a big flag so as the moped was then driving by i grab hold of the flag you know and you're just blurring down the street and everybody like you know just everybody was letting hair down and just letting loose and the crack was great now it was some experience that's great
0: did you you get into
1: the ukraine game go into them all thankfully yes all of them brilliant all of
2: them
0: yeah i I, I was there uh, for just over two weeks
2: oh amazing
0: i heard did you stay in a hotel or like did you have a bed i heard stories of a few mates and like they were just sprawled anywhere they could be sleeping on any anywhere they could find Oh No, no, we we might as well have had our own in-house
1: travel agent, you know, Julian Armstrong that went with us, you know, it never comes to organising things, the man was all over it, so we got everything for dirt cheap, booked literally before, like as soon as we all we all went to the, as the dates were announced, we were all sitting in his living room, each person had a computer, and it was booked uh, somewhere in that zone, and if you had to cancel it, you cancel it, but everything was done on a shoestring, and we just travelled, we lived in Airbnbs, um, bed sets, and all this. Stuff. It was brilliant. It was great crack. Oh,
2: fantastic. Guinness, the yes. farthest I made it was by to Road playing fans to see <laughs> the match that they lost.
0: they uh, <laughs> minor detail. We're, there, we're there. good crack, though. Yeah.
2: But, um, yeah. Well,
0: we'll be back. I hope so. I don't
2: know
0: uh, when. But I, well, I hope so. Uh, well, we this one's all over the back. place.
2: Well, this year's not happening now, is it?
1: Although, I, I think it's all next year. So mm. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the one. It's
2: it's not in one country anymore. It's
1: kind of. it's going to be spread around uh, if we qualify with it, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, it'll be strange that whenever it's in one co- uh, one country, you can travel about and see it all. But if you have a game in Dublin, and a
0: game in Europe, it's just not going to be the same atmosphere.
2: Mm, they're tough.
0: Mm, it's a strange one. And um, the semi-finals and finals all in Wembley, aren't they? Aye. Uh, so. You yeah. so will be trying. And... Try and get a, get a ticket to Northern Ireland in the Euro final, yeah? Of course, okay. of course. Yeah, we'll be there. Yeah, we'll just have to pinch myself and see if I'm, if I'm dreaming here. Yeah, I'm going to have a, have a chat with this fellow Julian, see if he can sort me some tickets. <laughs> That's it, <laughs> get on the ball now. <laughs> Very good. Um, So, I don't know if you mind talking about this or not, but so the reason you sort of got back into the, back to the NHS stuff, the reason you got back into it is uh, when you your kids, um, Yeah. Isn't so well, yeah. And um, do you mind talking a bit about that and how you how yeah. you found out and how you
1: yeah. Is now. So uh, I with, with three kids there with Poppy. Poppy's four, um, and then uh, we've got the twins, Charlie and Zach, and twins now. Their twins are seventeen months old now, uh, but whenever the twins were born, Emma, my wife, and myself, there we were getting on quite well with it. So a real handful, Sam. we were getting on quite well with it. Emma was getting on very well with it, and um, I was just there to empty bins and put. Too busy in making plans. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. You know what's it? You know how it is. Like us men, we, we pretend we do stuff, but it's really the woman does it all. Um, but no, everything was going great. The twins were doing well, and pretty much on the just after the six-month birthday, um. Just Charlie and Zach, Emma dropped Poppy off up to Brackney and came home, fed the boys that went to sleep and Charlie woke up gasping for breath and um, really struggling to breathe and it was scary and you know, Emma recorded it, sent her to the mum and we let the doctor listen to it and doctor said, it was straight to Daisy Hill. Daisy Hill kept him overnight and looked at him and then a senior consultant came in and looked at him, next thing we knew it was a blue light to the Royal. Uh, and he, after a period of time, he got diagnosed with a condition called dilated cardiomyopathy, um, which in short is the left-hand side of his heart was greatly expanded and the muscle was stretched. And with it being expanded, the, as it, I was struggling to pump, but whenever the heart did pump, uh, with the stretch in the heart, the valve, the mitral valve wasn't closing correctly, which meant then there was fluid then releasing from the heart back into the lungs. So that day he was struggling to breathe and woke up not breathing. In short, he was drowning. And um, so it was it was a scary time when he was in hospital at that stage for just over. Well, I was in around a month. We we're up in up in the Royal and Clark Clinic, uh, and the respect and the gratitude I have for clinicians, whether it's uh, the cleaners, the nurses, the doctors, the consultants. Without them, our son just wouldn't be here. That's that's the long and short of it. Uh, and they treat it and there's one one thing stands out in mind was uh, Charlie wasn't doing well in hospital and he was losing quite a bit of weight and the only way I can describe him was he was it was skin and bone it was like something you see on an advert for raising funds for somebody in the foreign the uh, in some of the, the less privileged countries and um, and they were talking about and threatening putting an NG tube in so that's pretty much a a tube that goes in to feed them direct to try and get calories in. And there was a wee nurse, um, lovely wee lady, uh, Izzy, and she was adamant Charlie wasn't getting an NG tube because at the age he was at, he was just starting to develop his uh, eating and things like that. And if you get an NG tube, in a, not all cases, but in some cases they lose the natural ability to eat and swallow because it's, as, as, it's at that stage where they're developing that. And she was working. She was working eight to eight, and about half past nine, she was still sitting at the side of his bed after working a twelve-hour shift with a bottle, making sure Charlie got his uh, got his right fluids in and the right nutrition. And she persevered with Charlie. Charlie, thankfully, never had to get an NG tube. Uh, and uh, the woman, she was she was amazing. But it's, there's so many wee stories like that like I could say about about the doctors. But we got him home, and he was he was doing brilliantly. And then in November passed, uh Emma, Emma, my wife, and uh, her mum were in Belfast shopping. Uh, and they just thought he had a bit of a cough and just wasn't at himself. And a few days prior, he wasn't really at himself. So with Charlie's condition, we were told, anything at all, you get him checked out. Um, so we brought him into the Royal, and they checked him out, and they kept him in. And he was doing well. They gave him an antibiotic. They presumed it was bronchitis. They had him ready for going home and unfortunately he or fortunately no matter what you, way you look at it the main pharmacy didn't get his prescription up for his antibiotic and they had to keep him another night Um emma sent me on home to get the other two kids to bed and about 10 o'clock that night i got a call from emma uh in quite a bad way she had been Charlie was taken off for a rush to PICU. She was in a roundabout way told to say goodbye to him. Didn't know what was happening. Um, his blood pressure hit two hundred and two, which was there. We were told they were expecting heart attack or stroke, um, and nobody knew why. We didn't know what was going on uh, at that point. They they pretty much they induced them as such. They knocked them out. Um, they were pumping drugs into them to try and get his blood pressure lower to stop his body from um, having a heart attack. Um, they warned us that when he comes round, there's quite a high chance he would have been blind. Uh, it was a long, we were in PICU for five days, and that was a long, long five days. Um, but whenever he came round, his eyesight was fine, The tested it all. Now the, the drugs that was on was pretty severe to keep it down. Um, didn't know what was causing it. And after, I think it was the fourth day, the consultant asked us for a word and sat us down. And pretty much, they were very open, very straight with us. Uh, told us that he had a very, very rare condition called middle aortic syndrome, which in short is his aorta um, has severe stenosis. That's the main aorta from the heart, supplying the blood around your body. Has severe stenosis in and around the kidney area, um, which actually he's had probably since birth and caused the damage to his heart, um, but he's the only child uh, to the Royal's knowledge ever in the history of the whole island of Ireland to have ever have had this. Um, oh. they that never came across it, and hence why it wasn't diagnosed. Um, so as soon as that was diagnosed, that, I think that, from memory I think it was a Thursday night, um, Friday morning, we were blue light to Great Ormond Street. There's only two centers in the world that can deal with it that we were, that we were aware of as it is, which is Great Ormond Street and a hospital in Boston. Uh, so we're very fortunate Great Ormond Street is so close. But again, we're speaking there about the NHS. Uh, like, we got told this was happening the following morning, private ambulance straight into the back entrance of Aldergrove Airport, onto a private jet over to London, and another private ambulance straight to Great Ormond Street, all by the NHS. Um, I think it took about from we left I think we left Belfast Hospital at about ten AM and about two thirty PM we were in Great Ormond Street in our ward on the bed um with Charlie. I uh, had to get a operation at that point and he picked it was quite scary we there over there again just just in around the month and anything going, Charlie decided he didn't want to go home so he picked up sepsis He had the Astrovirus, um, just pretty much anything that could get him staying with the nurses for longer. He wanted to do it, so. You know. Yeah, some fun. So that's that's our story with Charlie, but he's doing great at the minute. Um, we're doing all our operation now in London. As soon as I saw this coronavirus calms down, we'll be straight back over to London. But Emma, myself, and our wider family, the gratitude we have for the NHS and the workers, just, we'll never be able to repay them. We asked twice this past year, they have... That they've saved his life, like. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, what age is Charlie now? Charlie's seventeen, seventeen months, seventeen months. I'm yeah. looking looking forward in the future for you guys. Charlie, will, will he be able to sort of take part in sports? I, I assume that all that will affect him at that.
1: Yeah, we, we don't know. We've been to. told we've been told that the, the lower end, of the side of his body, there's a restricted blood flow and. In theory, he should be able to do everything, but he may not just have the same stamina and be able to do it for as long. And um, now we will most. We've been told to prepare for one to two operations per year in London until he hits the the correct age where he can go for major surgery to try and put stents in or um, just change his configuration of, of blood vessels and arteries, etc. And um, but they have a medical plan in place. They know what they're doing we just trust. We uh, just trust pretty much in, in the surgeons there, and we're very fortunate with a good faith there that, um, we're confident that we can, just leave it with the Lord and just hope that everything will go to plan. It's
2: amazing what they can do, isn't it? It's fantastic. Oh, phenomenal! Brilliant. I'm well, glad to hear he's doing so well. Yeah, well, um, that's great. And seeing oh, we've been seeing he's out on the Thursday night, even though we're all at a distance. And are you are next door neighbours,
0: aren't you?
2: Yeah, we're pretty per, well across the way. Yeah. Curry
0: yeah, Amy, Curry Amy
1: lives across from us, so she hears all the, the fighting between me and the misses, you know.
2: I did it's probably more our <laughs> end. <laughs> Shouting at the dog is more likely in our house. <laughs> but um okay. yeah, they seem to Her be daddy. well they're lovely <laughs> lovely youngsters. Even we pop I'm sure she's great with them too.
1: Uh, she just mothers them uh, so it is but no it's, it's good now just how it's all going on so that's all we can ask for
2: brilliant and how are you finding living down in in gadgieland yeah, yeah.
1: a few, a few dodgy neighbors uh, a few dodgy neighbors but as a, as a whole actually we're very very happy and long and still close to kilkielma whenever we opened the store in bambridge my wife's family were quite adamant that hopefully we would move up towards bambridge but okay. being being a good mourn man, you know, I was set that we weren't moving out of Kilke, so I I you know, I thought I was doing quite well going as far as Anna Long. You know, it's progress as far as Emma was concerned, but uh, at least I stayed in mourn. <laughs> uh, and she's yeah, we she's not we... from here then? No, Emma's Emma's a Bam Bridge girl. She's a tiny from Bam Bridge. Outsider. 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 She <laughs> from she's from the back of the mountain.
2: The wrong side of the mountains. All my uh, my mum's side of the family's all that way too, so
1: uh, they're all from the back
2: <laughs> you don't start that argument with them though
0: <laughs> no no. <laughs> anybody well, anybody you're... outside of like County Down has no idea what any of this means. Like, yeah they won't have a clue this is what, what we're what... talking yeah. about yeah. we might
2: have a they... the back
0: and they're <laughs> the other side of the mountain too so it doesn't matter uh, they're at the back as well yeah. even
2: those Newcastle ones they think they own them come on Hill uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> is the capital
1: you
2: know. that's it Correct. <laughs> Oh dear! So whenever this all kind of blows over, um, is there anything like that you're really looking forward to, or anything that's happening with the business, or anything that's coming up for you?
1: Looking forward to, well, there's the Costa del Port Rush. Uh, I get a big Morellis. Um, <laughs> oh boy! Or else, you know, a chicken kebab and chip out of country fry.
2: You know, yeah. simple
1: um, things are the best. Yeah. Well the Bahamas would be quite nice too, but uh I don't have a chance that for a while. Um, it's no cocaine. It's no cocaine. Nah. No no cost of Crown like. Um, <laughs> but no, the, it'd be good just to get back to whatever the new normal will be, get back into routine and just get back to doing the one thing I love, which is working and selling and uh trying to just help the business grow. Brilliant.
0: Amazing. Um uh, well I don't really have any more questions apart from one. I'm gonna I'm gonna start asking this question to everybody that we talked to during isolation. Is what's yeah. the Netflix? What's the Netflix series to watch? Well, I was actually watching a movie last night and it was freaky,
1: Contagion. Um, I yeah, I've brought
2: myself to watch it
1: yet. Uh, it's pretty much just what's happening right now, you know, in a movie oh, from like three or four years ago. Um, but uh there was How does the it end? With, um, <laughs> not good. <laughs> No, I don't think we'll want to go there. Um, okay, fair so We started watching uh, Cobra there, actually, it's on as Night TV. Cobra's a good a series there as well, uh, which isn't quite uh, a pandemic, but it's, not, it's a good
0: series. So I think everybody's watching box sets. Isn't it? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, big time. with
0: them, yeah. 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 Uh, so, we, no we've, we've both finished Brooklyn Nine-Nine in this past week or two. Nine!
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> it's a wee bit more light-hearted, to be fair. I yeah,
1: might we'll have to try that one there. We're nearly out of series at the moment.
2: Have you not uh, seen it?
1: Nope. Get on, mate.
2: We shouldn't have asked uh, you here without this.
1: That's it. That's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the next one. out. Next Thursday night, we'll be shouting over at the Clap for the Heroes and letting you know what's going
2: on. Yes. Correct. That's good. <laughs> well, we'll let you go. I'm going to go back here and figure out what this Cobra is, maybe add it to my watch list. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you for coming on. Yeah,
1: and for no, being so just, open this day, it's it great. Yeah, no problem. And just remember now, if you need any curtains or blinds after this is all over, where to come to? You're fine. Yeah, well, here, do you, oh,
2: you want to give 100%. us
1: your social kind of stuff? Um, yeah, so we're on Instagram. The link, well, LinkedIn is actually very good for us, Instagram and Facebook. So uh, it's pretty much uh, Bedwins on Twitter as well. So if you just search Bedwins Software Industries there on any of the, the social media channels, you'll get us. If uh, you give
0: us a wee follow there, we'd greatly appreciate it. Brilliant. Perfect. Thanks very much for coming on, Chris. No Thank worries. Thanks, care. guys. Keep All right. Safe. Take care. Keep safe. And keep with Cheers. Take Bye care. Guys. Bye.